Welcome in to a Monday edition Main Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Chris Yao. He's Maurice Patton. And this is the Lee Company Studio here in Columbia. Glad to have you guys with us. We are super pumped for today's show. Got a great one planned for you. Mike Wallace will join us at my mic check. My mic check, one, two. I wish you would have put that on the back of it. <laughs> it would have been great. But, but you know, it's kind of hard because people would have just thought it was 12. Yeah, because you can't use hyphens. <laughs> yeah, you can't use any he other. Could, no, you could have used an underscore. It could have used an underscore. Which apparently you cannot use on Blue Sky. Oh, man. But That's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. I, I don't have to, so I well, uh, haven't yet. Uh, finally. Oh, I got in. I just don't. My username doesn't have one in it. So. Oh, well. <laughs> need, well, mine doesn't either. Because <laughs> you can't have one. Exactly. Oh, man. He's going to join us at 225. Willie Donick will join us at 325. In between will be, of course, Terry McCormick. We'll talk a little Titans, unfortunately. Very little. There's plenty to talk about. Yeah, but I, do I mean, we really want to? I have questions. Absolutely. Nobody, I mean, I have questions about why why not go for it on fourth down? Because a tie takes you out of the playoffs anyway. Could you more senior, please? I understand. But I'm just saying, like, it, it that feels like a moral victory. And here's the thing. I don't know how if you tie and you're out of the playoffs, it hurts your draft stock. If you lose and you're out of the playoffs, 
it helps your draft stock. If you win, you win. <laughs> so I'm just saying, not going for it made zero sense. But that's neither. I just got a lot of questions. Yeah, I, I got a lot of questions. And I guess my biggest question is, you know, our worst fears kind of came to fruition when you see Will Levis limp off the field because of that porous offensive line, which was, you know, exactly what we had how many worst times, case scenario? How many times did I say you're going to get him killed? Like at least five. And sure enough. <laughs> and now uh, he's not dead, but he is compromised. And and you wonder because it's exactly what happened to Ryan Tannehill. You wonder how is this going to affect him going forward? And so I'm looking on CBS Sports looking for some material for something else. And 2023 NFL Week 15 winners and losers, Joe Flacco, Christian McCaffrey, headline the Dave Cowboys ball flat. Winners, losers, winners, losers, winners, loser. Will Levis's body. Somehow, someway, the rookie QB walked off the field under his own power late in overtime against the Texans, but it wasn't for a lack of failed protection in the trenches. <laughs> Houston was all over the big arm signal caller in a tight game, and Levis was practically mangled on the sack that forced him to the sidelines. He's got spicy physical tools, but let's hope he gets help in the future. Yes, Cody Benjamin, you are absolutely right. So, Yeah. Anyway, we'll yep. talk about it. Oh. <clears throat> we'll, get into, we have to. we'll get into some NFL stuff as well. Monstars, bowl games, bowl winners, college mm -hmm. hoops, and more. Speaking of, mm -hmm. I haven't checked the <clears throat> current bowl game. Is there one going on right Old now? Dominion and Western are playing right uh, now. Oh, oh, go Monarchs. <laughs> And so, um, because we got our one Cusa win over the weekend, right? Got one of two. Old Dominion 21, Western Kentucky 0, and 6.14 to go. Not even, barely halfway through. Barely halfway through. 21 nothing, Old Dominion. That's interesting. We're finally live on Facebook. I don't know what was going on. But we're here. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Glad you guys are you're joining us now. Anyway, got a lot to get to, so we should probably do that. Um, this weekend's results and today's schedule are all available to you. We'll get them now on The Rundown. This is The Rundown. The Rundown is brought to you by Zion Christian Academy. ZCA offers a faith-based, Christ-centered education in Murray County. Give them a call today at 931-388-5831 or visit ZionEagles.org to schedule your appointment today. Zion Christian Academy, prepared for college, equipped for purpose. Girls basketball action, Antioch defeated Providence Christian. one nothing. Now, is it one nothing or is it 2 nothing? I think it's supposed to be 2 nothing. I think it's supposed to be 2 nothing. Yeah. So, 
Anyway, it was a forfeit. It was a forfeit. <laughs> Lipscomb Academy edges Baylor 33-30. Bowling Green 45-26 wins over Rossview. Sycamore beats Cheatham County due to the War Eagles 42-38. Columbia Central 58-33 winner over Blackman. Columbia Academy falls in a close one to Fayetteville 48-47. Nashville Christian downs Davidson Academy 49-36. Eagle 57-32 winners over Forest. Pickett County downs East Robertson 74-33, and Ezell Hardy was a 47-27 winner over Donaldson Christian. Franklin Road Academy 76, Zion Christian 13. Christ Presbyterian 61-43 winners over Girls Preparatory School in Glencliff with a 39-25 win over Knowledge Academies. Clarksville Academy falls to Good Pasture 56-33, and Greenbriars gets the best of Harpeth 65-49. Hollow Rock Brewston 54-15 winners over Montgomery Central. Hume Fogdowns Hunters Lane 52-17. Lee of Alabama out of Huntsville defeats Independence 52-35. It was John Overton 46, Lawson 27. Lawrence County falls to Lincoln County 53-36. And Watertown gets the best of Lee Academy 57-13. It was Cleveland 70, Martin Luther King 12. Jackson Christian 68-60 runs over Middle Tennessee Christian. Lebanon 61, Mount Juliet 22. Nolensville 64, Laverne 29. Cookville 56-36 runs over Oakland. Page Downs Creekwood 78-73. Sounds like a good one. Pearl Cone edges Webb School 65-62. Westmoreland defeats Portland 36-26. Fairview 55. Ravenwood 45. Republic 41. STEM Academy 21. Richland falls to Wayne County 45-37. Marshall County downs Riverdale 46-21. Rockville 61. Lake Region Florida 44. And Shubble 48. Centennial 27. Also, Beach defeated Smith County 59-54. was Cane Ridge 53. Smyrna 42. Spring Hill with a 58-54 win over Corners. We'll coverage at MainStreetMurray.com. Gallatin 55. Station Camp 43. Hendersonville defeated Stewart's Creek 48-44. Summit with a 47-46 win at Siegel. White House defeated White House Heritage 57-24, and Wilson Central down Green Hill 45-35. On Saturday, Blackman with a 38-30 win over Marshfield, Missouri. Brentwood defeated Coffee County 59-52. Middleton, Middle Tennessee Christian defeated Franklin Road Academy 57-39. It was Red Bull and Springs 50 for Christian 38. Grace Christian of Franklin defeated Antioch 62-23. Pearl Cone down Siegel 64-44. Braben Gap of Georgia defeated Rockvale 51-41. Ezel Harding with a 56-41 win over Silverdale. And Stewart's Creek defeated Brentwood Academy 52-34. In boys action on Friday, Baylor doubled up Lipscomb Academy 60-30. Uh, Columbia completes the regular season sweep of Blackman, Columbia Central does, with a 37-25 win over the Blaze. Columbia Academy 61, Fayetteville 44, Nashville Christian Edge Davidson Academy 51-50, Eagleville with a 79-49 win over Forest, East Robertson defeated Pickett County 55-47, it was Ensworth 68, Rockvale 56, Edel Harding 64, Donaldson Christian 35, Franklin Road Academy with a 71-43 win over Zion Christian. Knowledge Academy has defeated Glencliff 56-52. It's Good Pasture 80, Clarksville Academy 50, Greenbrier down, Harper 65-39, and Montgomery Central with a 68-33 win over Hollow Rock Brewster. 
Hume Fogg defeats Hunters Lane 67-40, and John Overton was a 57-52 win over Lawson's. Lawrence County 71, Lincoln County 52, Lead Academy Downs Watertown 70-47, Martin Luther King 46, Cleveland 42, Christ Presbyterian falls to Macaulay 62-47, it was Jackson Christian 73, Middle Tennessee Christian 52, Lebanon a close one over Mount Juliet, 48-44. Nolensville Downs, Laverne, 50-38. Cookville was a 57-43 win over Oakland. Page Downs Creekwood, 53-41. Westmoreland, 56. Portland, 47. Ravenwood, 70-58 winners over Fairview. Richland falls to Wayne County, 62-43. And Marshall County was a 77-60 winner over Riverdale. Beach Downs, Smith County, 72-47. And Cane Ridge was an 83-65 winner over Smyrna. Spring Hill falls to Cornerville, 43-34. Station Camp downs Gallatin, 54-47. Hendersonville, 62. Stewart's Creek, 58. Siegel, 61. Summit, 57. White House, 56-39 winners over White House Heritage. Green Hill down Wilson Central, 62-40. Pope Prep, an 86-67 winner over York Institute. On Saturday, it was Franklin Road Academy, 76-60 over Middle Tennessee Christian McCauley, 50, NBA 44. Brentwood Academy, 76-57 winners over Ridgeway. And Silverdale Academy was a 66-56 winner over Ezo Harding. In college football, in the New Orleans Bowl, Jacksonville State gets their first ever bowl win and their first ever FBS bowl appearance over the Raging Cajuns in overtime, 34-31. Men's basketball action over the weekend. Bucky Ball. Live and kicking, Sanford with a 99-93 win over Belmont. Tennessee State doubled up Boyce and then some 117-57. Western Kentucky, boo, with a 65-64 win over Austin Peay. Arkansas, wow. All right, Lipscomb. Lipscomb had a chance to win it twice and couldn't do it. Hmm. That's tough. And Bud Walton. That's not shabby. Good. Arkansas outlasts the Bisons, 69-66. Good job, Lenny Acuff. Texas Tech, 76, Vanderbilt, 54. Tennessee, behind 23.7 boards from JoJo James, defeats North Carolina State, 79-70 out in San Antonio on Saturday night. Southeastern, 81, Cumberland, 78. Florida College, 68, Cumberland, 64. UT Southern, 79, Blue Mountain Christian, 73. Women's basketball action. Eastern Kentucky with a 79-69 win over Tennessee State. Austin P defeated Bryan 90-57. Belmont with a 65-54 win over Kennesaw State. Vanderbilt defeats Lipscomb 72-50. Middle Tennessee State, the Lady Raiders down the Lady Jacks. For Stephen F. Austin, and it wasn't close, 72-47. And Trevecca with a 74-63 win over Saginaw State. As we mentioned at the show's onset, the Texans of Houston, 19, the Oilers of Tennessee, 16, in overtime at Nissan Stadium yesterday. Um, on the ice over the weekend, can you be hot on the ice? <laughs> if you can, the Preds are 6-5 over Carolina in overtime, 3-1 over Washington. And in the association, it was the Grizzlies dropping another one, 103 to 96 to Houston. But help is on the way. So they say. Doubleheaders tonight in high school basketball. Richland goes to Clay County at 6 o'clock. It's the Tennessee Heat at Columbia Academy. All these at 6 o'clock. I'm going to say all of these are girls first and boys to follow, but 
one of them had the boys scheduled first and the girls scheduled later. But they're doubleheaders and they start at six, no matter who's playing first. Both of them are going to play. <laughs> Eagleville at Cornersville. DeKalb County hosts Watertown. DCA is at Franklin Road Academy. Franklin Road Christian is at home against FC Boyd. Giles County welcomes Forest. Independence goes to Green Hill. Green Briars at Joe Burns. Laverne welcomes Hillsboro. Mount Pleasant's at home against Franks Hughes. Dixon County is at Nolansville, and it is at Nolansville. Dixon County apparently is having their gym renovated, and it's not ready yet. Ooh. Siegel at home against Shovelville. Red Bowling Springs is at STEM Academy, and Summit welcomes Fairview. Girls only, 5 o'clock. Sycamore is at Ensworth. 5.30, Deschler of Alabama plays Summertown in the Loretto Girls Christmas Classic. That game will be followed by the host Lady Mustangs taking on Mars Hill Bible of Alabama. Tuesday action before we hit these airwaves. So wanted to make sure that you know in case you're actually relying on us for this information. At 11 o'clock, the Tennessee Heat girls will play at White County. At 11.30, Clarksville will play at Clarksville Academy. Ensworth plays South Gibson at 12.30. Not sure where. Ditto for Richland and Macon County at 1.30. Boys action today, 5 o'clock. Westview out of Martin plays Creekwood. Again, not sure where. Nashville Central Christian plays at Middle Tennessee Christian at 5.30. At 6 o'clock, Wayne County plays Cullioca. I believe that game is at Collinwood. And also, Chelsea, Alabama plays Page. Again, not sure where or when. In the association, oh, help is not on the way just yet. One more game. One more game. One more game. The Grizzlies are at OKC taking on the Thunder. That's a 7 o'clock tip on Valley Sports Southeast. And Monday Night Football, 715 ABC slash ESPN. You can see it on either. Philadelphia makes the long trip out west taking on the Seahawks and the 12th man. That's your rundown. All right, top stories brought to you by our friends at Piggly Wiggly, Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. Make sure to go by to get your daily lunch, your fresh hand-cut meats, your great produce. It's all cost plus 10 at the register. Again, that's Piggly Wiggly, Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. Today's top story is kind of the top story, feels like every day at this point, hmm. as the transfer portal is continuing to find some home. It's in full effect. And Ole Miss seems to be winning. Well, you would like to think that they are. I mean, otherwise, I don't know what it is that they're doing. They are certainly collecting a lot of players. Um, Princely uh, Amon Mialen or whatever from... Florida, the number one edge rusher in the in the portal, headed to Ole Miss. The number two edge defender, Tyler Barron, headed to Ole Miss. As we heard, it's crystal balled pretty heavy. Walter Nolan headed to Ole Miss. Well, and also Tamari McDonald. Tamari McDonald headed to Ole Miss. So you've got a couple of guys leaving Tennessee to go to Ole Miss, and a former. 
Tennessee guy as well. Key Lawrence from Oklahoma. That's right. Headed to Ole Miss. And Juice Wells is now headed to Ole Miss. To me, you know, Ole Miss doesn't have to play Alabama next year. This is, you know, when it's twelve team playoff. It's a twelve team playoff. This is Lane Kiffin selling out. All you're trying to do is get in. So you're saying that's a chance. And I mean, honestly, Ole Miss probably has as good of a a shot as anybody. Okay, so twelve team playoff. SEC gets how many in? Three or four? It's at least three. <clears throat> Probably four. Because here's the thing is you don't you don't necessarily have a team who's, let's say, and I know this hasn't been the case because Georgia and Alabama played in the SEC championship game, but you don't have a team like LSU last year who Lost a second game or last lost a game to Georgia that they wouldn't necessarily have lost if the two top teams would play. Right. So last year LSU probably gets in at you know ten or eleven instead of losing to Georgia and falling to like fifteenth or sixteenth and having a third or fourth loss. That's not going to happen now. So you look at this on the schedule: Furman, Middle. Wake Forest, yeah, middle's got to go. Georgia Southern, Kentucky, then they got to go to South Carolina, which apparently is also doing some big things in the portal. Then they got to go to LSU. They get Oklahoma at home, which is a tough game. At Arkansas, Georgia at home, go to the Swamp, should be a win, and then the Egg Bowl. If they don't lose more than two games, they're in. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, LSU, Oklahoma, Georgia, you got to win one of those. If you win one of those, you're in the playoff, period. I would agree. And I don't, I mean, to me, this seems like the perfect, it's the perfect way to do it. Look, Lane Kiffin mentioned at SEC Media Day, he wasn't happy. Like he 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 was you know he was very annoyed with the transfer portal and very annoyed with because Quinchon Judkins was getting a lot of you know there, there were a lot of folks after his players last year and he he so he said he took the the Nick Saban approach. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was getting ready to say. If, you know, um is, is this what you want? If if this is what you want, if this that's is how we're, if this is how we're playing, then okay because. There's a little money in and around Oxford, and there are some folks who like to see us have some success, and I can pull that together. There's plenty of folks just across the state line with plenty of money and plenty of folks who want to see Ole Miss succeed. he got to be careful coming across the state line if you're talking about North. Because, I am, but still, I mean, that's where most of the big money Ole Miss people end up. And that's where most of the trouble that Ole Miss has historically been in has come from. That's not the world we live in anymore. It's not. There's no trouble to get in. 
<laughs> it's all legal. And so hmm. that's what I'm saying. Ole Miss is going to be a force in the NIL world. Not much longer will we will we be able to say that only Ole Miss has not been to Atlanta. To Atlanta. <laughs> and and you know who hates that more than anybody? Mississippi State. Yeah, Mississippi State wants to keep the, those two SEC championship game appearances over their head. Well, we've still been there more than more than once. So, yeah. but that's how much longer does that hold out? You know, so Tennessee did get a commit over the weekend and bittersweet for middle fans. Well, I mean, he was gone anyway. I'd rather see him at Tennessee than Oregon State. Jacoby Thomas out of Tullahoma mm -hmm. was headed to the Beavers. The Beavers. Of the Pac-2. <laughs> at one point, received offers from Houston, Louisville, West Virginia, A&M, Auburn, and announced on Saturday he is decommitted from Oregon State. Um, apparently one of the top ten safeties in the portal. Kid's legit. I mean, you go back and watch him play against Alabama. He can play at the SEC level. He can. And so you got to be proud for the kid, happy for the kid. Mm -hmm. Well, that's certainly what Tennessee needs is an influx of kids, particularly on the back end, that can play at the SEC level because we didn't talk about it. We just it. need someone who can play at all. Well, we didn't get to talk about it on Friday, but Danico Slaughter to Arkansas. To Arkansas, which, whatever. Everyone else is leaving Arkansas, buddy, but you can go ahead, I guess. You know, you do you. If, if that's where you want to play, that's Maybe fine. he knows something everybody else doesn't. Maybe he does. <laughs> Or maybe everybody else knows something he doesn't, you know. I'm I'm getting the feeling that it's not gonna be a good that Tennessee is going to have a good day today. <laughs> so we'll see. Um they can afford to. No doubt. Well they got they got the tight end. From Notre Dame. Did get the tight end from Notre Dame. Tennessee, I think, I think, I think Tennessee is I think in Tennessee a good place. is I think Tennessee is going quantity uh, quality, not quantity. I agree. Now, again, Ole Miss has got a lot of quality guys. Top two edge rushers and Walter Nolan. <laughs> I mean, and Juice Wells. That's th those well, are insanely good athletes. Well now Walter Nolan ain't done yet. And no, he's not. He, but, but that's where everyone thinks he's going. Now that doesn't mean he's he's still got to sign the line. He's still got to sign the line. So there's that. But anyway, it's going to be interesting to see this continue to play out until signing day, which is next. Oh, is this this is it Friday? Wednesday? Oh, it's the twenty. It might be second. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I think it's the 22nd. No, Wednesday, December 20th. It is Wednesday, so we'll know we'll know on Wednesday what everybody's got. Looking forward to it. We're also looking forward to our next guest. Mike Wallace is standing by, so we'll get to him right after a break to talk a little Grizzlies.
But after this on Main Street Sports Today, stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton here live from the Lee Company studio on this Mirror Monday edition. Looking back a little bit, we're going to look a little bit ahead in this next segment as we bring in from Grind City Media, a member of the Grizzlies pre- and post-game show is Michael Wallace at my, my, che- at my mic check. Michael, what's up, man? Hey, good, good, good to be on with you guys again, man. And happy holiday to both of you guys and your family and also your production team back there as well, too, man. Glad, glad to be on. And uh, it's an exciting time right now. Uh, we'll see where this week takes us. Uh, exciting indeed, Mike. Um, as we were mentioning in the first segment, one more game tonight at Oklahoma City. And then he's back. Um, <laughs> how How... How well, how easily do you feel like John Morant gets integrated? How quickly 
do you think John Moran gets integrated into what Memphis needs to be doing to be successful once he is able to return for tomorrow night? You know, I think he's he's going to be integrated instantly. You know, I mean, he's been around this team, you know, for all 25 games of his suspension, counting today's shoot around where he alternated first team starting point guard reps, you know, with 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 the guys that are on the roster right now. So he's already being a factor behind closed doors in terms of everything that they're doing. You know, he's a guy that's, you know, from a conditioning standpoint, you know, I see every time I see him, he's either going into the gym to work out or coming out of the gym. Uh, to work out. And, you know, he kind of chided me today and told me to get out of his way, you know, go ahead and get my two reps in so he can get on the weights. And uh, that was kind of funny this morning before shoot around. But, you know, it's one of those things where he's in good spirits. You know, he obviously uh, met with the media earlier, uh, you know, last week, late last week, and kind of got that off of his chest. He kind of got that hurdle past him. He's taking responsibility. He knows that his team is in a tough spot, Um, you know, but he's going to hit the ground literally running and running and getting this team into a pace that they're accustomed to playing, uh, you know, is the first thing that he's going to impact, getting those guys up and down, trying to create some easy baskets. Chris, I don't know if you caught it or not, but that little humble brag about Mike working out with the Grizzlies, <laughs> he needs to get out of Jaws' way so he can get his reps in. He caught that, Mike. <laughs> you caught that. You caught that. Yeah, I was trying to bring a personal touch to it, man. So you guys wouldn't know I was just we you know, shooting the S, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me some real behind the scenes details there. He knows. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, this suspension has hampered the Grizzlies, who are 6-18 and 18 going into this game tonight at Oklahoma City. Um where where is the biggest impact for Ja? I mean, because he ain't Stephen Adams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, how, how do what does he fix? Well, he fixed specifically, like I said before, the pace. You know, getting this team. I mean, the Grizzlies are twenty eighth. Last time I checked, twenty eighth out of thirty NBA teams in offensive rating. Um, they're not scoring. Their offense is way down. They're not hitting. They're taking a bunch of threes. They're not hitting them. Um, They're not creating many easy baskets. They're not scoring in the paint. You know, this team, you know, when Ja was around and and Steven Adams, you mentioned, those two guys led uh, the Grizzlies in terms of fourth quarter scoring, in terms of second chance scoring. Um, And and the Grizzlies, when they're right, they're one of the league's top five teams in paint points, in points off of turnovers, in fast break points. All three of those categories, they fall in way off a cliff. Uh, with John Morant not being around and being available. And I think automatically he puts himself into the mix and sort of reintegrates these guys. Now, having said this, I'm not going to say it's going to result in, you know, a 10 and a, a 10 game winning streak right off the bat. No, this is the toughest part of the Grizzlies schedule right now. They're in the midst of playing 10 of their next 15, 10 of 15 games on the road against Eastern and Western Conference playoff contenders. That's not going to be easy. And, um, you know, they're playing like tonight. Oklahoma City at home, they start a five-game homestand. They just beat Denver, the defending champions, on a last-second bucket. They're one of the top three teams in the Western Conference right now, um, sneaking up on a lot of guys. The next night, tomorrow, you go to New Orleans. That team is on a four-game winning streak. They're playing the best ball that they played all season. Um, They have some guys back in the lineup. But even when you have Ja back, it doesn't clear the deck that it's going to be success. As a matter of fact, I think things could get tougher 
before they get a little bit easier on the Grizzlies in the coming weeks. That said, though, Mike, Memphis is <laughs> five and that's, seven yeah. on the at road. At least they're on the road. One and eleven at home, so yeah. maybe on the road is where they need to be. <laughs> that's one of the most baffling things, Mo, to me, is the fact that this team can go from obviously injuries and, and attrition and not having your superstar player contributed directly to this. But they went from being the best home record in the league last year, setting a franchise record for best home record at 35 and six to being the worst team in the league at home this year. And again, that's something that's mind blowing um, that the players and the coaches are puzzled by it. Um, it's just one of those things that are going to have to really, really turn around quickly once they get back. But they're just not at home a lot right now. Now, they will be, you know, come late January and through February. That's when they have a, a stretch of nine home games out of 12. But until you can get to that, you know, you got to do some work on the road where you can find a rhythm. That's actually probably a positive, though, because, you know, you have time to get Ja kind of going at game speed and then you get him back home and in a comfortable environment after he's sort of acclimated. So perhaps that's the way that, you know, it's going to work out better for the Grizzlies. I'm not entirely sure, but, you know, to be honest with you, this, this team has a lot more needs than point guard. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Mo asked, what, what does he fix? I'm sure he fixes quite a bit, but you still got issues on the, you know, in the front court. You do. You still have issues in the front court. Um, you're, you're depleted, um, you know, right now on the wing, too. You know, like Jaws coming back tomorrow, you know, but you still have, you know, Luke Kennard still out for, you know, a week or two. You still have Marcus Smart not back yet, but ramping up and working his way back. Um, those are two key guys who are going to be either starters or six men coming off your bench and veterans. And, um, you know, th those two guys on around. Tonight in Oklahoma City, you're not going to have, you know, Bismack Biombo, who was your, you know, emergency break, class, break glass center. He's not even going to be there. Um, so you're da now down to just three bigs available in Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Xavier Tillman, and Santi Aldama. So your numbers are, are just not where they need to be. And as much as the enthusiasm is there for Josh's return, as you guys said, there's still so much more that needs to be addressed. And it's not going to be a complete picture. This is just a work in progress, but you get a very, very key cog back in the middle of this, but it's still plenty of work ahead for these guys. Yeah, no question. You know, the injuries have the injuries have been a much bigger issue than John Morant's absence. Mm -hmm. And so as Titans fans here, we've dealt, we, we know how teams have dealt with injuries over the last two years, playing the most players in, in NFL history. So, you yeah. know, and then, uh, you know, waving Kenneth Lofton Jr. He, he's out now. I, I mean, it just feels like this team is trying to play with the roster to find the fit that, that makes sense going forward. Because when you don't have your guys, you, you know, the chemistry is going to be a little different. So you've got to kind of plug and play and, you know, try some things here and there. How is, you know, how's this coaching staff handling? You know, it's, it's, it's testing a lot of patience. Um, you know, you, it, it really is, man. It really is because, you know, it's one thing to try to develop guys and get them ready for opportunities when, when, when you have veteran and frontline guys go down. 
But that's supposed to be a stopgap. That's not supposed to be something that sustains through the course of the season. And I think that's where some of the frustration comes in that, you know, a guy is a reserve for a reason. He's not meant to be your starter. A guy who's the 13th man on your bench isn't necessarily ready to be the sixth man for a spot duty starter yet. They're there for a reason. And you can't really. And my fear was this. When when the injury uh, update was given for Steven Adams right before uh, training camp, you know, right before the preseason started and, and it was clear that he was going to miss the whole season. Then the next day, Santi Aldama is out for a couple of weeks as well, too. You know, my fear was that this team with so many incoming pieces, Derek Rose, Marcus Smart, different guys in different roles. You can't carry training camp into the season, but for so long before it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and you're always in flux. And it feels like that's where the Grizzlies are right now. And that's a page that you could take directly out of the Titans playbook. You know what I mean? Guys that are, aren't supposed to be in roles have been in roles for an, a sustained period of time. And it, it, it cuts away at your depth. It makes you always adjust in an adjustment mode. And even the veterans who are healthy, you know, a la Derrick Henry, can't really get the rhythm playing behind guys or with guys that he's not accustomed to playing with. So it's been not accustomed to playing with and shouldn't be playing with. Yeah, and that's that's the case. That's the case on both of uh, Tennessee's professional sports teams uh, when it comes to that. We're seeing a lot of that with with the, the NFL Titans and the NBA Grizzlies. Hey, Mike Wallace of Grind City Media joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Mid Bone and Joint. Hey, just, Mo, you better yeah. get that right, man. Hey, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, you, you, can't, be, you can't be messing with the money. Yeah. Three and a half years of this. Yeah. It's Monday, yeah. man. Leave me alone. <laughs> I, I was thinking about my question, though, yeah. I think. Yeah. But, you know, Mike, you mentioned frustration. And we saw a clip over the weekend taken from behind the Grizzlies bench of Taylor Jenkins kind of having a mini snap during a timeout. I mean, mm -hmm. is that a byproduct of said frustration? Oh, of course. And and those see, that's the thing that has come out of this season is that, you know, they've allowed one another to have real hard in your face accountability sessions, whether it's, you know, behind closed doors or in the public eye. Marcus Smart did this about a month ago, um, railed on the bench. And, and even though he wasn't playing, he got in guys' face. And then the next day they won their first home game. Uh, the next game, they won their first home game against the and their only home win so far uh, against the Utah Jazz. Taylor Jenkins is is at a point where, listen, man, we're going over these things in morning shoot around. And his favorite quote right now is, let's transition our morning work to our night work. And we have to be able to transition what we're putting in and installing in the shoot arounds in the mornings. That can't just be, you know, tossed out when you get into a game at night, because there's there's a reason why these coaches and these scouts and all of these people are doing this work. Now, having said that, it's a difference when you're talking about a frontline guy who's able to process and react and a backline guy who, who just is happy to get the opportunity and hadn't really matured yet uh, to be able to think in real time. So it is frustrating. And particularly when it comes on the defensive end, that's the problem. Taylor Jenkins is is. He's willing to, to to watch and sit through a lot of offensive issues. But when you start, you know, making these defensive mistakes and rotating in a bad way and not playing as, as a collective unit, when it's just reading and reacting on the defensive side, um, you know, that's that's where the problems come in. So you see those frustrations boil over pretty quickly uh, from a defensive standpoint. 
No doubt. No doubt. Michael Wallace here talking Grizzlies with us on Main Street Sports today. And Michael, as always, we greatly appreciate your time and your insight. One more game. <laughs> Got to get to New Orleans. When we get there, we get to see 12. And I assume he's going to be wearing his brand new shoes they just dropped for Christmas. Which ones, man? Uh, he's wearing new new colorways every other day now. So I, I can't, it's hard to keep up with all the shine and the floss. <laughs> no doubt. But it's it's always fun. Yeah. Absolutely. So will you will you be running through mothers tomorrow or what's what's the stop yeah. in New Orleans? You know, well, I got to get my char grilled oysters. So it's either going to be Acme or it's going to be uh, Drago's. Definitely. That's definite. And if there's a, t a chance to get to mothers, I'll get to mothers. Usually I go there and get my John G with debris. You know what I mean? I like the I, I like the gravy and all that stuff on my sandwich, man. And, uh, you know, I have, when you go to New Orleans, you got to have your 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 set. You got to because there's only a limited amount of meals you can get. You don't want to just keep stuff in your face every single moment that you're there. But I have to get the beignets as well, too. So I'm going to start with the beignets, then work my way over to the char grilled oysters. And if there's time for mothers on the back end, then I'll get there. And then you're just going to have to roll me out there <laughs> to do my job. Right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, don't if you're getting the beignets, don't wear anything dark. I know. It'll be all over. Hey, I, hey. Believe me, I've been I've been there before. So Man. now you see why I'm in that gym. There you go. Trying to put these weights and get this cardio in because I'm preparing you. for New Orleans. New tomorrow. Orleans. I yeah, got you. Absolutely. I got you. Somebody <laughs> should have had that talk with Zion, it sounds like, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> Mike, we appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon. Anytime, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will give you our monsters and more after this. Stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you. 
no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, Chris Yao, Mo Patton, and it's time now to recognize some folks from over the weekend and tell you a little about the monsters of the weekend. That's, that's really <laughs> messing with my head. Uh, can, can you hear that, Justin? A little bit, yeah. It sounds like a little bee buzzing around. No, it's not a bee. It does sound like a bee. It's not a bee. Sheesh. Anyway, so let's, uh, let's see. What, uh, what do we got here? Anybody got anybody they want to start with? I've got, I've, I've got a couple. Uh, my dad had one. My dad said that he had one Monstar for the day. Well, who is Chuck's Monstar? Chuck's Monstar is, of course, Jacksonville State running back Ron Wiggins, 27 carries, 136 yards, and a touchdown, which earned him New Orleans Bowl MVP honors okay. in Jacksonville State's That's solid. win. <clears throat> I figured you'd be going with someone from Jacksonville State as well. Well, I will, as a matter of fact, and I will go with the – First-time kicker, Garrison Ripa. Ripa? Like Kelly. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. Garrison, Garrison Ripa. Now, how is he a first-time kicker? Where was the regular season kicker? Did he... He's in the portal. As a grad transfer. Kicker's in the portal. Kicker's in the portal. Okay. And here's the best part. You know where he was visiting this weekend? Kennesaw State. If you're going to stay in the conference, why are you in the wow, board? Wow. And why would you go to Kennesaw State, who was darn near winless last year? More opportunities to kick. He was our kicker. He was going to kick. But I'm, but oh, more, opportunities. more opportunities to kick. I see what you mean. Yeah. Get in the field goal range for you to do that. Yeah. Garrison Ripa's 27-yard field goal in overtime lifted Jacksonville State to a 34-31 win over Louisiana. So, yes, he also had a 22-yarder in the game and made all of his extra points, which is, you know, more than some people can say. J.K., you got anybody? Yeah, um, I'm going to go uh, Christian McCaffrey, which we should be no surprise. Um, you know, <laughs> ridiculous stat line that I'm about to lay down here. 115 yards, 
rushing uh, with one TD and then 72 yards receiving with two TDs. So three o overall, I believe, is what I'm reading correct here. Uh, combined over 200 yards. What a game. <laughs> that's, that's solid. That's, that's what you fantasy guys look for. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I'm going to go with Fresno State quarterback Mike Keene, who was 31 of 39 for 380 yards and three touchdowns as the Bulldogs defeated New Mexico State 37-10. And was it the Cure Bowl? What bowl was that? No, the Cure Bowl is what... Oh, that's what's going on right now. Yeah, no, that was the, oh, it was the New, New Mexico, Mexico Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, has caused quite the stir. Mm. Mm. Lot, lot, lot going on in New Mexico. That that robbery has definitely got some spice to it between UNM and NMSU. No question. Yeah. There's. Yeah. yeah look up Jerry Kill and his post uh, post game comments, and look up. Diego Pavia and yeah, where he chose to relieve himself earlier <laughs> this year. It's insanity. It really is. Oh, man. My next one is going to be NBA product, Ty Chandler. Okay. 132 yards and a touchdown on 23 carries. Also caught three, three passes for 25 yards. Had a great, great day. Uh, well above what folks expect from him. And ever since Kirk Cousins went out, Ty Chandler has stepped in and stepped up. So I'm curious how that affects him going forward. Turn me up, said Ty. Um, they win? No, they lost in overtime to the Bengals. Mm, that's unfortunate. Okay. Justin? Um, I'm going to go with James Cook, Buffalo's running back. 179 yards rushing on 25 carries, um, an average of 7.2 yards. Uh, and then 43 yards receiving, both for the touchdown on rushing and receiving. What a monster. 179 I think so. It's my turn. Number two. Number two. Joe Flacco. How about that? Threw for 212 yards in the fourth quarter. Finished up 28 of 44 with 374 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Picked off uh, three times. But, again, that fourth quarter was something to behold as Cleveland rallied kicked a game-winning field goal to defeat the Bears 20-17. My last monstar, thank goodness for wide receiver Kelvin Dean of the Rattlers of Florida A&M, scoring two fourth-quarter touchdowns, including a 53-yarder to lift the Rattlers to a four-point win to cover that three-and-a-half-point spread <laughs> that we were all so confident about. 
Uh, congratulations to Florida A&M for winning the Cricket Celebration Bowl. 30-26 to 26 winners over Howard. And again, Kelvin Dean scored two fourth-quarter touchdowns to lift them. Well done. That's right. Bang fingers. Bangs up. <laughs> All right. J.K.? My last one is just when you think the boy is out, he pulls you right back in, Baker Mayfield, with going from 144 yards passing the week before to 381 in 14 days. 22 for 28, 76, or 78, excuse me, percent rating. I mean, that's ridiculous. Good for him. In a 34 to 20 win over Green Bay that did not sit well. Right, exactly. in my house. But anyway. All right, so it's my turn. I'm closing it out, and I've actually got two. That's fine. So I want to mention... <clears throat> Columbia Central, Savia Morgan, who scored 26 points in a 58-33 win over Blackman after Blackman had handled them pretty good over there a couple of weeks ago. But my third Monstar, JoJo James, 23.7 boards, 6 of 10 from the floor, 5 of 7 from 3 as Tennessee defeated North Carolina State 79-70. Saturday night in San Antonio. Big win for the balls, big game for JoJo. Yeah, it was a big win. Huge win, matter of fact, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, worst thing of the weekend? Was there anything worse than Gronk's national anthem? Did y'all happen to see it? I did not see it. Either. I think I'm glad I didn't see it. I think the worst thing was... Will Levis mangled. Not Will Levis's play. Yeah. Will Will Levis being victimized by his offensive line in that game yesterday? Yeah. The mark. Not ideal. Not at all. Not ideal at all. All right. Um. Again, Jack State got their biggest. Their 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 the big win in the New Orleans Bowl. Was that the best game of the weekend, or was it the Mud Bowl, the avocados from Mexico, where it just looked like they were playing in a big mud puddle? That was crazy. I, look, I I love football in the rain if I ain't got to play football in the rain. <laughs> and if I ain't got to cover football in the rain. Yeah, if I can just watch it on TV, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal from with it. From a distance. Otherwise. Yeah. But, I mean – there were some really good games. That FAMU Howard game, the, the Celebration Bowl was good. The Avocados, the, the Cure Bowl was good. The New Orleans Bowl was good. I mean, that's half the games on Saturday were pretty pretty good ball games. Uh, well, that's what you want to see. And Georgia Southern turned the ball over four times. Ooh. And Ohio took full advantage, unlike Louisiana, when Jackson State turned over four times. Uh, and then Fresno just whipped throttled New Mexico State. Whipped him. Pavia was terrible. Just, just a bad thing. All over. Happens. Uh, and then Texas Tech took care of Cal pretty easily. What was that, 34-14? 34-14. Cal was up early in the first quarter, and then 
Texas Tech in the second quarter said, no, no, not so fast, my friend. And enough of this. Up with this, I will not will put. Not put so. And so great job by Texas Tech to, to get it done against Cal. Titans on the other side of a break. We'll talk about it. So y'all stick around, I guess. Terry McCormick's coming up. This holiday season, the largest lantern festival in the country returns to Nashville Zoo. Witness more than 1,000 handcrafted Chinese lanterns featuring brand new designs, including towering mythical beasts, a life-sized Santa's workshop, and a 100-foot-long dragon. Welcome back to Zoo Illumination at Nashville Zoo. Bigger, brighter, and better than ever. Welcome back in Main Street Sports there, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton here with you on this Monday Mirror as we are ready to talk Titans, I guess. Um, Terry McCormick joins us, and Terry, what's up, man? Well, it's your Daily Titans report, and good or bad news, it's powered by Zen Sports, and today there's certainly... Not a lot of good news coming out of Titans camp. Uh, Will Levis dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, Mike Brable made it sound sort of like the same situation that they faced two months ago with Ryan Tannehill. So uh, we'll see if uh, Levis can bounce back and uh, be able to play this Sunday in C against Seattle uh, at Nissan Stadium. Uh, Titans being officially eliminated. So uh, who knows if there's the same sense of urgency. Vrabel said that wouldn't necessarily factor into their decision of whether or not to play Levis if he can go. But uh, certainly a situation with the Titans where, uh, you know, the perspective changes, I, I think, because now you start to shift back into evaluation mode. Yes, you know, they'd like to win because that's what they do. They're pro football players. They're out there getting paid to perform, but when there is no avenue to the playoffs, it may be time to start taking a look at some of these other guys to see who fits in the plans for 2024. Well, I, I agree with that. I think could have done that a lot more because could have done that Sunday. I mean, there, there's a lot of, again, I said on Friday that we've lost to Davis Mills before. I didn't think Case Keenum was going to be out there, but what's the difference, really? Uh, but I, I just don't understand some of the thought process of this 
of this team, Terry, it just and the, the as far as the coaching staff is concerned, why why not go for it on fourth and fourteen? Are you, you conceding the playoffs and just whatever? Uh, why not? Uh, why have we you know, still not played some folks around on the offensive line? It, you know, uh, looks like well, Aaron Brewer is your center, but. What a great job by Dylan Radins at, at right guard. He may be the right guard of the future. Uh, it just it just feels like there's there's some things that this coaching staff could do, and it's it's so frustrating. Well, I think part of the thing that was frustrating to a lot of folks yesterday was their continual desire to just run into a brick wall that was the Texans' defensive line. I mean, you know, every first down, you know, they basically made it their mission. Uh, the Texans did to just bottle up Derrick Henry and not let him gain any yards. He had a grand total of nine yards yesterday, which is, you know, certainly not a good outing. In fact, I think he also he had 10 total yards because I think he had one yard on a reception. The 10 yards is the lowest total by somebody with 20 touches in a game since 1948. I have no idea who that was in 1948, but I'm sure he didn't no, have a very since, good since 1972. Uh, they started keeping the stat in 1948. Uh, it's the lowest ever. Yeah. So, you know, certainly not something that you would figure Derrick Henry to be associated with. But, you know, the left side, you know, the other thing is, too, it seemed like most of the runs went up the middle or to the left. And that's where they were the weakest yesterday. Uh, Skoronsky. Brewer, uh, Duncan, all seemed to take turns struggling yesterday, especially in run blocking and then later on in pass protection because uh, this team, uh, you know. Terry, I don't know that they took turns. I think it was pretty constant. Well, you may be right. <laughs> you may be right in that regard. I think, you know, the the process starts now of trying to figure out how many of these, how many of these guys do you need to replace? Brewer is a free agent. I certainly wouldn't be uh, tossing any money his direction to have him stay. I think you've got to get bigger and stronger at the center position. Uh, Brunskill is a stopgap at right guard, probably, you know, a good depth piece to have. But uh, I think you probably can upgrade and be better at the right guard position. You talked about Raidens. He had a good game yesterday at right tackle. Now, you need to see him build on that and carry it through the, the three final weeks of the year. Uh, Skoronsky, I mean, you're kind of married to him because he's a first-round pick, and you hope that he learns from this and gets better. Duncan, well, I mean, you know, he had been looking pretty good at left tackle for a sixth-round pick, but he got exposed yesterday. And so you well, wonder – Everybody knows. So him I, to, I mean – I'm just saying the Texans' defensive front is pretty good. Yeah, I, I kind of hesitate to take too much of a shot or throw too much shade on the basis of this performance. I mean, this was definitely the worst Skaronsky has looked since he's been in there at left guard. But and he still was, only gave up what two pressures. I don't know. Something like that. He had a, a much harder time in the run game. Uh, I think, you know, with Skaronsky and Duncan, I think, you know, I guess there's 
two different questions there. I mean, you know that you're kind of, like I said before, married to Skaronsky because he's a first-round pick. Duncan needs to show you enough to at least become a swing tackle, which I think he can do that. And he needs to show you that he can bounce back from this performance in the final two games so that he at least gives you something to think about at the left tackle position. Uh, I think I still think they probably need to draft somebody to compete with him at left tackle, whether that's maybe not the first round pick, but at least the second round pick. And the question then becomes, you know, because offensive line play is so much in sync and being used to working with the guy next to you, knowing what he's going to do, knowing him knowing what you're going to do. So I think that communication and that uh, nonverbal communication, if you will, of knowing what the guy next to you plans to do on any particular play when you see any given look is, you know, something that's imperative. And if you can build that between Skaronsky and Duncan, maybe it helps you out in the long run. But right now they are taking their lumps. Yeah, there's no question they're taking their lumps, and they're going to continue to do so, I guess. Terry, let me ask you this. Um, Have we seen enough of Will Levis to feel like he is QB1 going forward? And depending on your answer to that, then I have another question. Well... I think there's certainly room for improvement in terms of his knowledge of the overall game because he's a rookie. He's a rookie who started half a season. Uh, He's not yet ready. You know, most rookies struggle in year one. You know, C.J. Stroud being the exception there who's hit the ground running and, you know, has looked great, you know, in a way, you know, you know, from a, strictly selfish personal standpoint would like to see him play yesterday would have been fun to watch but we'll save that for another time but with will levis i think there's enough there to convince you that with better protection and a couple of better weapons that he can be quarterback one and i think he's shown you enough that i think you go into 2024 giving him that opportunity to be the guy. And then if he isn't the guy, then you're back in the draft in 2025 probably. Okay. So that said, does he need to play again behind this offensive line? Because we speculated at this as it was discussed, whether or not to throw him out there behind this group. Do you run the risk of getting him further be? Obviously, you run the risk of getting him further beat up if you do continue to play him behind this line. Do you just, if he's any kind of way compromised in particular, do you not just put Ryan Tannehill back out there who all indications are you're going to be moving away from at the end of this season anyway? Well, there's nothing to play for. If it was my decision, I would probably err on the side of Will Levis not you know, being run out there if he's not close to 100%. If he's close to 100%, you give him every rep that he can get. If he can recover from this ankle in time, even if he misses one game, if he can come back for the last two, give him every rep he can get because it's going to mean something for him down the road. But like you say, if he's compromised at all, 
err on the side of caution and don't run him back out there behind this group. So who do you play instead, Ryan Tannehill or Malik Willis? Well, I think, you know, you probably go back to Ryan Tannehill uh, since he's been your number two quarterback. But then again, you know, there's a school of thought that says you need to take one last look at Malik Willis before you make a determination if he can help you. Because, you know, you guys know as well as I do, uh, there's a difference. Even even regular season games that don't have any playoff impact for the Titans are still regular season games, and the action is faster. The decisions have to come quicker, and Willis would benefit from playing in those two or three games much more so now than he would be in in August playing against guys who are going to be selling cars. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. Well, anything else that needs to be talked about? Well, that's it. I mean, you know, as far as, I mean, there is one other injury. Sean Murphy Bunning had a hip injury and did not return. So his status is a little up in the air for this week as well. So that it could be, could look like the two corners that ended the game out there Sunday and Eric Garrett and Trey Avery could be your guys. Because <laughs> that went so well. Of course, if they don't stop the run, it doesn't really matter. Anyway. All right. Well, tell us about Zen Sports. The new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months, and I'm excited to share with you some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to a $1,000 no-danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports with up to plus 500 odds, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum within 24 hours if the bet loses. And there's more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This new VIP rewards program will allow top-tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel your Zen Sports play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sports book will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals than Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage, all backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable individual plans that meet your needs. 1-855-844-0445. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic.
Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Mo, before we get to NFL questions and reactions, the David Cutcliffe coaching tree continues to grow as Troy has hired former Duke offensive assistant and wide receivers coach from Cut's time there at Duke, Gerard Gerard Parker. I did not realize he had been at Duke because my um, interaction with Gerard Parker was when he was at Purdue, mm-hmm. and he was um, he was actually recruiting T.J. Sheffield. No, no. Well, he recruited him too. But, um, <laughs> Bryson Hopkins, the oh, tight yeah. end from Ensworth, Brad Hopkins, his kid, the former Titans mm-hmm. left tackle. He coached tight ends there in 2013 and 14. Yeah, I didn't realize he had been at Duke, but yeah, I saw that earlier today. That's um, that's great for him. He's a good dude. And most recently, offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, and so that makes two former the 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 two most recent offensive coordinators from Notre Dame are coaching in Alabama, Tommy Reese and Gerard Parker. Yeah, one of them's a head coach. And yeah. so. Uh, huh. Big hire for them, and they'll they'll announce that tomorrow. I just thought that was an interesting. Maybe, maybe we'll have to get Coach Cut on again to <laughs> talk about Gerard, huh? Like what's going on? Yeah. But uh, NFL reactions. First of all, is there a franchise in the NFL who can find more ways to lose games than the Chicago Bears? Clearly not. Uh, have you ever seen someone drop a hail mary and throw it into the arms of their opponent? That's I've never seen that before. No, it may be the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in a professional football game. The ball hit him in the stomach, and he just threw it. But as you said, you are so Chicago Bears. If <laughs> matter of fact, Christopher Gabriel sent me a text, uh, sent me a message, and said, "I don't want to hear fans of other teams complain about their team. Nobody finds ways to lose like the Bears. Nobody. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's it's not untrue." <laughs> I mean, this is the team that had what the was it the double doink in the playoff loss to the Eagles <laughs> a few years ago. I mean, this team just it's brutal, man. Brutal. But hey, you know, I get it. It's your team, but boy, it would be rough for me to keep going after oh, yeah. that. That's that's a rough one. Oh man. Uh do Gardner Minshew and um, let's just start with Gardner. Has Gardner Minshew earned a starting role in 24? I don't know, man. I think, um, I mean, we we saw it with, with Josh Dobbs. We've seen it with Josh Dobbs. I think these guys or I think decisions are made on these guys and it's tough to, I mean, once you're typecast, I don't know, once you are a backup, I don't know if you are able to be anything other than, I, I don't know if they're gonna allow you to be. Yeah, I, I, I see that and I don't disagree with that thought process. I, I do think that 
Minshew has done it more consistently than, you know, than Dobbs did. Well, certainly. Uh, I think he's done it more consistently in other places. I mean, he did it consistently in Jacksonville. But everywhere he's done it, he's gone he's in initially as, as QB2. And it just, I, I don't know if that's a mindset. You know, I've talked about it before. I, you know, when, when I was in high school, my head coach sat me down and said, Chris, I can't start you because you're too, you play out of control when you start. But when you come off the bench after, you know, a, a couple minutes, you, you play much better. I wonder if there's just a mindset to being QB2 that there's nothing to lose. There's no pressure because you're QB2. Not supposed to win games. Right. I'm QB2. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a mindset thing or not, but I. Gardner Minshew doesn't strike me as the guy who would care about having something to lose. He's just going to go out there and do what he does no matter yeah, what. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the field and I don't know or care what my status is when I'm playing. When I'm playing, I'm the guy. So I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. There are teams that could certainly use someone. We've, we've listed the, the teams. I mean, the Raiders, <laughs> for one. <laughs> but, I mean, we've listed the teams. Uh, and so to me, it just feels like there's, if he wanted to play, if he wanted to be a starting quarterback in the league next year, I feel like he's earned a possible role. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't and argue with that. To that point, I mean, Shane Steich and what he's done with the Colts, I mean, who's the coach of the year? Is it Shane Steichen? Is it D'Amico Ryans? Is it Kevin Stefanski? I, I think it starts with Ryans, you know, particularly pending what happens here over the next two or three weeks. And if Houston finds its way into the playoffs, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it's not Ryans. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, it just especially with what they're dealing with on offense right now, both of their, their top two receivers, three offensive linemen out. And their quarterback didn't play. And their play quarterback yesterday. didn't play. Third stringer. And and Case Keenum did not do a great deal to help them. I mean the pick six right off the rip. No, it was that was a uh, a byproduct of a fantastic run game. Yesterday, yeah. they, the the run game certainly helped open up the pass for them. There's no question. Um, speaking of Gardner Minshew, on you know, is is Kadarius Tony going to be a chief by the end of the year? If he is a chief by the end of the year, he certainly won't be a chief once the year ends. I mean, he's still he's just in year two of a rookie deal. But he hurts them more than he helps them. Doing stupid stuff to hurt the team. I mean, he had a a fourth quarter ball hit him in the hands. He just drops it, goes for a pick. Caught two passes for five yards. I don't know if we saw it, but... Um... Someone somewhere 
know, basically drew the parallel that this Kansas City offense and last year's Kansas City offense, from a personnel standpoint, virtually the same. Only difference is your offensive coordinator. Well, and Tyreek Hill, who's potentially the MVP. Was Tyreek not in? So that makes a difference. (laughs) Got to think. Um, Again, they thought Kadarius Toney could be their Tyreek Hill. Turns out Rasheed Rice might be. Maybe. Nine catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown. But who else do they have? Nobody that you've heard of. Travis Kelsey. He's your number two pass catcher. Well, I mean, you've got um, – who is the dude? Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Yes. And Sky Moore. So, I, it, this team's not very good. And, and again, like you said, they, they weren't much better. <laughs> you know, they're not. This is Tyreek Hill's second year in Miami. Is it? Well, then that makes a difference. I mean, you go back to this depth chart. They don't really have a run game either, though. Pacheco's been hurt most of the year. Just You've got a threat between Pacheco I mean, and Edmund Hilaire. Yeah. But this one, I mean, Rashi Rice, Justin Watson, and Kadarius Tony. Seriously? They don't strike a lot of fear. And, and yet. But again, um, Basically the same offense, basically the same receiving core as last year. The only difference being the departure of Eric Bieniemy. And the train of thought is that Bieniemy held people accountable in a way that they aren't currently being held accountable. And thus you're seeing the lapses that you're seeing, like lining up offsides and dropping balls and other lackadaisical type performances. So the only and, and then when you look at the commanders and the complaints that were coming out of there early in the year about this guy's too hard, this guy's too tough. And maybe you need that. Yeah, they had Smith Schuster last year. And the only other guy I ever heard of is Mikel Hardeman. So Smith Schuster wasn't great. Wasn't, you know, he wasn't gonna make a fourteen and three to nine and five. He's not making that big of a difference. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe so. I that's an interesting concept because it's not the first time we've heard I mean tire tire tarp having issues mm-hmm. you know it's, it's not not surprising in the world that we live in that tough coaching does not is not received well by some people mm-hmm. because they're told they're good forever matter of fact i and this is just hearsay that's 
what I've heard about Tyler Barron, that Rodney Garner was up his butt every day. That wouldn't be, that would not be a first. And he didn't like it. That would not be a first. And the only reason he stayed in Tennessee last year is because they paid him so much money that he couldn't not stay. So, just saying. We need to take a break because Willie Donick is standing by, so we'll talk about the Preds with him on the other side of a break. So stick around, Main Street Sports State, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We'll be back in a moment. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton, and coming to you live from the Lee Company studio here in Columbia, Columbia, down here in Murray County. Glad to have you guys with us. Speaking of cool, it's not been very cool for the Preds, but they are doing it on the ice. One of the hottest teams in all of the National Hockey League. One of? Well, they're seven and three of their last ten, and I 
I saw a couple other teams that had seven wins, but I couldn't tell if anybody else had more. I just as I was scrolling through. That being they, said, I think they won four straight. They well. That being said, nope. Only the Oilers have won more. They're eight and two over their last ten. Nashville Predators are on a roll since that four nothing loss in Toronto, and we're going to talk about them now with the voice of the Preds on Bally Sports. That is Willie Donick. Willie, what's up, man? He's gone. Oh, he hadn't, he hadn't got back to his computer yet. Willie, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. I just maybe in a bad spot there, but uh, glad to have you. Glad to be back. Well, we're going <laughs> glad to have you back. In and, out, and all of a sudden, I'm like, something's wrong here. Maybe I'll just get a better connection in a different room. So, Good okay. call. Good call. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for efforting. Yeah, Willie, um, Prince have won four straight and – what, seven of their last eight now? I mean... Thir 13 out of 16, but who's counting? Who's counting? Yeah, who, exactly. 13 That's, and three, last 16. And, you know, we were... There was a concern about this team early on, and we've talked to you about that. You know, what um, what are they doing right now, other than winning? Well, I think when, you know, when I last was on with you guys and they were struggling some, I, I think it was pretty fair that they probably weren't playing as poorly as their record. There were some things that uh, were happening within games that I think were leaving points on the table. I think they played well enough to win some of those games or at least get to overtime, and it wasn't happening. Um, and it, the simplest answer is I, I think UC Soros was not playing up to his capability. And now it's flipped, right? Now they're finding ways to win the close games. They're playing a little bit better. Um, their confidence is growing. And UC Soros is now playing at the Vezina Trophy level that I think we've come to expect from him the last two or three seasons. He's playing just lights out, phenomenal hockey right now. And that was not the case at, at one point. I mean, he was uh, – I think I – I think I actually quote tweeted something that you had tweeted really about him being the second goal, the, the worst, second worst goalie in the league with against, you know, goals over expected. And, you know, you knew that he was going to find his level. UC Soros is not going to be bad for an entire season. It just so happened that everybody kind of find their found their way at the same time. And this run is this more indicative of what this team is, or is the start of the season more indicative of what this team is over the long run? Well, that's what we're, I think that's what we have to find out over the next several months. We've got a long way to go. So they're just over a third of the way through the season. And you hit on a, an important stat, Chris, and that's, uh, you know, you look at a goalie's numbers. It's just like nowadays when you're looking at a pitcher. We used to only have ERA as the only indicator of whether a guy was pitching well or not, right? And if a guy's ERA is high, you would say, well, he's struggling. But his – so Soros' numbers weren't good. The save percentage wasn't good. The goals against average wasn't good. But there were other factors in there, some of which, some of which were under his control and some that were not. Almost like a pitcher that, you know, has a lot of broken bat hits 
fall in on them, uh, you know, things are going the other way. They had a lot of goals. I, I think we counted up double-digit goals that had gone off of a Predator player and into the net on Soros. So he wasn't getting a lot of luck. And I think he'd be the first to tell you he wasn't super sharp either. But now he's coming around. So to answer your question going forward, I think their record right now, which is 18 and 13, is probably closer to what they are. And if they keep up that pace, then I think they're going to be right in the in the playoff race. Um, so, no, they're, they're not going to go 13 and 3 every 16 games the rest of the year. There's going to be some ups and downs. This is still a, a, a team that is trying to keep that pathway for young players to grow so that it can be a better, deeper roster over the next couple of years. But in the meantime, they're going to try to win uh, while they have a chance. And so I, I think the overlying thing is it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch here recently. And I think the fans are really enjoying what they're seeing because they're, they're watching a team that's really playing together. Uh, they have great chemistry and uh, and it's fun for them to come to the rink. They're enjoying playing this new system under Andrew Burnett. Glad you said that because I was just going to ask you, are things starting to settle in under the new coaching regime? Is the new coach starting to settle in? I think he's done a really good job. And, and I think, number one, what we're finding out is, and this was the idea coming in, that the style of play that Andrew Burnett is, is, uh, is teaching them is fun to play. And I think there's no better example of that than Philip Forsberg. He's having his best year. I think as a predator and that's saying something because he has had some very good years, but his all around game right now has been spectacular. Uh, he's scoring, scoring big goals. He's really enjoying the up and down style of Andrew Burnett's system where they really try to get the puck up the ice as fast as possible with passing offensive minded. Uh, that fits his game really well. He's playing really well with Ryan O'Reilly and Gus Nyquist, two of the veteran players that Barry Trotz brought in. And so uh, I do think that Andrew Burnett and some of the nuances of the system, uh, as the, everybody as a group picked him up, uh, I do think that's making a difference in, in some of the results you're seeing here recently. And that's it. I, I think that's you know a big part of this this kind of retooling of the Predators is playing an exciting brand of hockey because the fact is that when Bridgestone is rocking, it's a hard place to play, and that makes a difference when you're, you know, when it's a, a one-score or two-score game. This the crowd in Smashville can flip the script if you know if the team's losing or can you know help the team run away if they're winning. So there, there's, a, there's a lot to be said about that. I do think the fans have been great. Uh, these 16 games, you know, they, they're 13-3 and three in the last 16. All of that was in a span of 29 days. And that's a lot of games to play in that short a period of time. They're, they were basically playing every other night or sometimes three games in four nights. And when you're when you're a little low on energy like that and you don't have a lot of practice time, some of those games at Bridgestone Arena, I, I do think when you've got the crowd in your corner, it gives you a little extra uh, giddy up to, to help finish games and sort of gut them out. I, I do think the fans have been outstanding through this process. And let's be honest, too, when you have a lot of home games in a short amount of time, people only have so much time. I've been impressed with how how many times they're they're filling the building. Um, 
with a lot of games clustered together. Sometimes back in the day, you know, if you had five home games in two weeks, it'd be tough to fill it every, every time. You'd have some no-shows in there, but that that really hasn't been the case. I, I think there's been a lot of enthusiasm fr- from Smashville, which is a great sign. Yeah, I saw some tweets over the weekend that Smashville was back, and, you know, that's not been necessarily the case over the last couple of years, so it's it's impressive to see the fans, you know, starting to fill a Bridgestone again. Uh, as I was watching, I guess, Friday night? Yeah, the, the Hurricanes game. Just insanity, that entire game was. Why – or what changed in the third period of that game to, you know, defensively for the Predators? They they came out after giving up, what, four goals in the second? It might have just been three. But didn't give up a goal in the, in the third period at all. What changed? Yeah, it was about halfway through the game is, is when it changed a little bit. It, that was just one of those games. You know, it's hard. Sometimes you it's hard to put your finger on why. Uh, but they were down – four to two and then five to three in the second period, there was so many goals scored. You almost lost track. I think there were six total goals in about six and a half minutes in that game. Yes. Second period. And um, so it went into it, but from there on, and this is where I give Kevin Lankinen a lot of credit, the, the backup goalie who got that assignment against a very good team in Carolina. When you give up five goals in the first half of the game, you know, I guess I'll, I'll make the pitchers reference, you know, if, if, Sometimes you you get sent to the showers, you know, but he hung in there and it's easy sometimes to unravel, but he kind of gathered it back in. He made some good saves and he shut them out in the second half of the game, which is not always easy to do. It wasn't his best game either. Uh, He didn't play great. It was not a great exhibition of goaltending from either side. The (laughs) In fact, sent the goalie that they played to waivers. And so he sent to the minors after that game. So, that made for an entertaining game for the crowd and, and for the fans, and there was certainly a lot of drama. So they they played a good game. I think the biggest thing to take from that game is usually when you go into Carolina, you're hanging on to your hat because that team is all over you. They're a swarming kind of team, and I thought Nashville did a really good job. They hung with them the whole game. They weren't getting outshot uh, and outchanced. Uh, they were kind of going shot for shot with them, and that, that's a sign of progress, I think. And Willie, to to continue in your baseball slash pitcher analogy, sometimes you can win a game eight six. <laughs> and, 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 you have to win games eight six. Exactly. Right? Oh, you can't win every so, game two to one. Like that. That's yeah. uh, I think where the offensive mindset that Andrew Burnett has. He knows you have to score to win. It's not like John Hines didn't know that, but it's a, it's a little bit more of the mindset and the mentality. Uh, they won a ton of 2-1 games last year, and they can still do that. Uh, UC Soros can, can, you know, put the team on his shoulders. But there are nights where you have to be able to score and win, and that was one of them on Friday where, where Soros didn't uh, get the start. you got to get mileage out of your backup goalie. You just can't run your starter out there 70 times like maybe back in the day you used to be able to do. You need uh, production and, and quality play from your backup, and, and you got to get points in those games. Yeah, I was at a basketball game Friday night, and I saw an early score. I think it was 4-2 Hurricanes, and I, <laughs> I'm like, all right, this one's done. And then I saw that 6-5 final. I'm like, what? 
No. <laughs> so, so how did that happen? I mean, well, you, you, you got to pay attention for 60 minutes with this bunch, clearly. Yeah, especially who you're playing. You know, down 4-2, 5-3 in Carolina used to be game over. You know, and, and Carolina is a team that is among the best in the league. But right now they're having goalie issues. And that, um, that can be an Achilles for, for a team. And that's why I think it's pretty special when you have uh, UC Soros. And, you know, he's got one year left on his contract. And I know in the last year or so, people are wondering, should you hold on to him or should you trade him? Because they, they have a great goaltending prospect right now in the minor leagues who's very, very uber talented. But, man, I'll tell you what, I, I, I think everything you're hearing is they want to keep UC Soros here for a long time. And, you know, that that will work itself out in the summer. Uh, I believe that's the first time that you could actually sign him to an extension because he's got one year left on his contract. But the, the way he's playing, the way the team is playing, once the trade deadline rolls around, I think before the season started, people were saying you're going to start hearing his name in trade talks. Other teams will be calling to see if he's available. Right now, I'd be really surprised to hear he's available because he's he's doing a tremendous job. You know, it's a lot easier to win games when Philip Forsberg is Scoresberg again. And he's not, he had not been that, especially last year. So what's changed for him? Well, so far, not knock on wood, he's been healthy because he wasn't having a great season last year, no question. But then, you know, he, he got hurt right after the All-Star break and didn't play again. So he only played, I'm trying to remember, maybe 50 games last year and so that that just really derailed the season he was having but there's no question he he was not having a philip forsberg kind of year now you wind it back two years ago he set the team record for goals he and matt duchene became the first two predators ever to get over 40 goals in a season so it was disappointing last year uh this year though i i think number one he's healthy number two um He's got great line mates. Ryan O'Reilly, they call him the factor, right? Uh, the O'Reilly factor, you know, you, you get the <laughs> look at there. But really, he really is a factor beyond what he does on the ice. But Ryan O'Reilly rubs off on everybody else. He's one of those guys that seems to make everybody better in a lot of different ways. And I think he's made Philip Forsberg better. And I think Philip would, would, uh, would agree with that. He gets him the puck in the right areas. Uh, Philip Forsberg shooting more than he's ever shot before. He's always been a great shooter, but he's he's getting more kicks at the can, if you will, because he's getting looks at the net. The power play is better. So you put all that together, and uh, right now Philip has got that swagger. Right now he's he's he wants the puck in the big moments. He's scoring big goals, and he's really going from being a star player to a borderline superstar. That's that's really good news. Hopefully he can sustain it. You know it's interesting because. We talked about UC Soros and is he available? A lot of folks wanted to trade him last year while we could. Forsberg signed the extension last year. It's it's almost like, you know, imagine if that hadn't happened and this would be, this was a full rebuild. And, you know, does Andrew Burnett even want to come here and, and be this team's coach if that's the case? The moves that David Poyle made to keep this team with its superstars is starting to pay off a lot quicker than a lot of people expected. Yeah, it, I, I think there was a lot of discussion on 
how do you even label what they did last <laughs> year as David Poyle? And if you go back to last March, right, David Poyle basically announces he's going to retire and it's going to be Barry Trotz that takes over for him. And right around that time is the same time they started retooling the roster. They made the four trades before the trade deadline. They traded four established veteran players uh, for a team that was not completely out of the race at all. So that was a tough decision to make, especially for David Poyle, who could have said, this is my last hurrah. I'm going to add. I'm going to mortgage the future. But he did the opposite, and he really handed the reins to Barry Trotz in a position where he got a lot of extra draft picks. They didn't mortgage the farm system, and the farm system is really looking good right now. Milwaukee has got some very good prospects that are still very, very young and a year or two away at least from making an impact for the Predators, but it's a really good sign that you have layers of, of depth that you're working on. So Barry Trotz, I think, came in in a different position than a lot of new GMs. Uh, and so what he did was he said, you know what? I want to take Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi, and UC Saros, my three star players in their prime, and I want to build around them. And, and that's really what they decided to do. And so th that's what they're looking for right now. And uh, there's a lot of space for those young guys to grow. And I think there's a lot of room to grow for a lot of those guys. They've all had good moments, but it's not like they're leaning on those guys to have to carry the team. And let, let's talk about a full rebuild, guys. What you try that the Chicago Blackhawks right now are in the full tank, right? They tanked last year. They got the number one pick in the draft in Connor Bedard, uh, and he's doing great. The problem is, it's all on his shoulders to have to do everything, and they have nothing else around him. And it's gonna it's a team game. It's gonna take them a long time, I think, before they're relevant again. So that's why I think they chose here not to do a full rebuild. They, they want to sort of retool and do it gradually. And it, it's challenging because you don't get the high pick. You don't get the first or second pick in the draft. But uh, I think they're trying to compensate by doing a good job of drafting and developing players and, um, and hopefully make the most of, of all the picks that they do have. And, and Willie, to complete your point there with, with the Blackhawks and the complete rebuild, is Bedard still there by the time they get back? Well, see, I, I think that they will absolutely do everything they can to keep Bedard back. Now, what we haven't seen really in the NHL that you see sometimes in baseball and in, and in basketball, for sure, is a guy with that kind of pull just saying, I don't want to be here. Right. I'm, I, I, want, I want to move on. It's not easy to do that in, in hockey. I think they'll do everything they can to lock him up to, to big money uh, before it gets to that point. But they're going to have to prove to him that they can put a winning team around him. I mean, he's so young. He's only 18. It's, it's, it's amazing to watch how he tries to make it work uh, with, with not much around him. But it's going to be a while for, for Chicago. And there was, a great, there was an article written uh, last year basically saying I'd rather – it was out of Chicago – and they were saying the Blackhawks have a quicker path to success the way they're doing it than the Predators, but only hmm. time will tell. Hmm. Well, okay. Oops. <laughs> well, I mean, what, it depends on what you consider success, right? Uh, I, I like having a team that's relevant and fun to watch and in, in races rather than a team that, you know, you know, you can fast forward to the end of the season right now. 
Chicago's probably going to win between 20 and 25 games. And that's kind of how they want it because they need another high draft pick. But it takes time. It takes time to, to do it that way. And you better hope you hit on those high picks, too. And that, as Sweet would say, ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't, exactly. Yeah. Ain't nobody got time for it, man. Well, we appreciate the time that you spent with us, Willie, as always. And we look forward to uh, talking with you again, hopefully after their 13-3 and run. Well, let's hope. And they've got a challenging week. Three more games before the Christmas break. Tomorrow is a team that has is, is surprised a ton of people. Vancouver 2-0 against the Predators this year. They come in Tuesday night to Smashville. It's going to be a marquee matchup because they've played lights out. Uh, that is going to be one you want to watch. Then Thursday in Philadelphia. And then Saturday, the first meeting with the Stars, a team that has had the Predators number the last year or so. And so Matt Duchesne coming back to Smashville Saturday at 1. That's one you're going to want to see for sure. And then Wednesday, the 27th, the Hurricanes come into town. So three of the Predators' next four are at Bridgestone. So yep. No question. No it's the place to be. All right. Willie Donick joining us here, Preds on Valley, voice of the Predators. We appreciate it, man. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll take a one-minute break when we come back. College Hoops right after this. Stick around. <laughs> This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. She's on Thinking Out Loud, presented by Regions, and out of pocket with Alyssa Lang. It is, in fact, Alyssa, Alyssa Lang. Lang. I'm a little nervous. I'm going to lower the bar for guests now. Oh, I'd no. like apologies in advance. It sounds like CC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Got that radio voice. I know. It's a good sound. Uh, I miss radio too. (laughs) As do we. And then here's the other thing. You guys, you're spot on with the name. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. So And we reach every Main Street in Middle Tennessee, coach. That's it. So when you are on Main Street and you are moving got to love it. Like you're moving. I was impressed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad someone Mo, you mentioned it in Monstars. Tennessee had a heck of a win over the weekend with a nine-point victory over North Carolina State over in San San Antonio for whatever reason. Uh, But, you know, it was interesting because there were some folks who – didn't play as many minutes as they maybe have in the past. <laughs> and, and and some of that has to do with Zakai Ziegler playing 39 minutes and being Zakai Ziegler again. But I love that Rick Barnes doesn't care who you are. He doesn't care. If you are not playing 100%, your butt's on the bench at all times. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your daddy's name is. <laughs> I, mean, I don't care what your NIL money is. 
If you're not playing hard, you're not playing at all. Well, I mean, you've got you could not play hard on the bench. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if it was a lack of effort or lack of production, but if Dalton Connect is only one of seven from the floor, he's only going to get 19 minutes. Well, that's not really where Connect you were is not, Yeah, Connect is not uh, more a Waka <laughs> who and. and you know, a walk over 12 rebounds only played 18 minutes. And again, and, and, and had 12 rebounds in 18 minutes. Look, I, I'm just saying it's, you know, he had also had four fouls because that's how he plays. You know, he's he's kind of iffy Had 12 rebounds and three assists in 18 minutes. I mean, I'll, I'll take that when your next leading rebounder was Joe Joe James was seven. Yeah. Jeremiah Meshack was in the second half these these are guys that that kind of played iffy in the second half and, and look you know sometimes that happens i guess but zakai ziegler giving you what he gives you as a hundred percent zakai ziegler it, it, it can cure a lot of ills mm -hmm. north carolina state was going to stop dalton connect that was their entire game plan. And it worked. It worked early until Zakai Ziegler said, okay, well, clearly you guys are worried about him. Let me give you something else to worry about. Started getting the ball to JoJo. Started firing it up for three. And when those two are on, when those two are on, there's not a team in this country that can beat Tennessee. Nine of 15 from behind the arc combined. If those two are shooting like that, there's not a team in the country that's better. Just not. It's an impressive win. I think the only concern for me about it is NC State wasn't ranked. And to this point, they only have still one win over a ranked team. Is that right? Who's that? Illinois. Tennessee? Yes. Uh, Wisconsin? Not ranked? Not at the time. They may be Oh, now. no, they are now. Yeah. But I, I, to me, I think that's more important, though. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're probably right. But, but, but yes, <clears throat> I, I mean, I get your point. I, I think that Wisconsin is going to go on the – good win list at the end of the year we're talking seedings yeah. and they don't have a bad loss i think that's the biggest thing now obviously that's a you know that that's one of the major you know concerns is you did lose to got drugged by north carolina let's be honest so you lost to, but to you lost kansas, to kansas and purdue on a neutral floor and then you lost at north carolina and played purdue better than anybody other than northwestern has played them Northwestern obviously beat them, but you know they're the number one team in the country. You, you and they are that the for a, a reason. The AP poll today: number mm -hmm. one Purdue, they, number two Kansas, and number eight Tennessee. Is and, that the right spot? And Carolina is eleventh. Yeah, well, they lost to Kentucky, who is ninth after beating Carolina, but they did lose to Wilmington. So I guess, eh. uh, exactly. I guess you can understand why they would be ranked behind Tennessee after beating a team that Tennessee lost to. 
Are you surprised that the only other SEC team that's ranked yes. is 10 and 0 Ole Miss? At 10 and 0, and they're barely in. 25. 10 and 0, barely in the top 25. James Madison is ranked higher. I think we know what we're going to get with Ole Miss. Look, you say what you want to about their coach. He's good at his job. Mm -hmm. Real good at it. And they're going to be a team to watch. They're going to be scary. Maybe not this year in SEC play, but it won't take long. Auburn, a and I'm sorry, Auburn, yeah, A&M, Alabama, South Carolina and Mississippi State also receiving, receiving votes. votes. Yeah. That's not surprising. I still think you're going to see seven or eight teams in the, from the SEC in the tournament. Uh, right now, only four Big Ten teams are projected to be in the tournament. Four. Four. Ooh. There will be a mutiny. There will. Plenty more to talk about this week. Looking forward to talking to Chip Walters tomorrow and much, much more. So you guys come back with us at 2 o'clock on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Barn & Joint. We'll see you then. Thank <laughs> you.